Hey guys, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. This week, uh, I am hosting um, with my friend Garrett. Uh, He's been with us a couple of times before, and I'm really excited to have him with us as we study Alma chapters 5 through 7. Garrett, welcome. Thank you, Zach. I'm really, really excited to be here. We mentioned last week that um, we wanted at the beginning of the next couple of episodes to dive a little bit deeper into um, this kind of study technique that we use in our study records and that we mention quite a lot in our podcast, which is this uh, learn, feel, do, and become. And last episode, we talked about um, what it means to read the scriptures for learning, specifically learning about God and his nature, his characteristics, his personality. This week, we want to talk about reading the scriptures for feeling. Um, We mentioned last week, reading to learn is something we're probably pretty practiced at. It's, um, I don't know, it's pretty common or natural for us to read the scriptures and find insights and connections and patterns and themes. And we're really, really good at that. But reading the scriptures for feeling, at least I wasn't very practiced at it when I first heard the idea. Um, And I'm really excited to do it in this block. And I'm especially excited to do it, Garrett, with you, because um, (laughs) I I learned a lot about my own emotional state just by talking with you, because you're really good at talking about emotions and understanding emotions. And so uh, I'm glad that we get to talk about this part together. Well, Zach, I don't know if I'm good at talking about emotions, but I'll tell you one thing I'm really good at is I'm an emotional dude. Like I, I am the one in, in my marriage with my wife. I'm always the one who cries in movies. It's not my wife. It's me. And it's even worse when it's cartoons. Coco, I was bawling at the end of Coco. Wreck-It Ralph. And it's always me crying. Like, And sometimes it's like the ugly cry that... <laughs> You know, that kind of cry. <laughs> and so I feel, I, I just feel things a lot. And so it just so happens that it coincides with this block of scripture that we are focusing on feeling when we scheduled that I would come on your podcast months ago. So at the end of this episode, um, if you're not ugly crying, listeners, <laughs> then we haven't done our job right. That's our goal. <laughs> because they're feeling the spirit, right? Is yeah. That what you're talking yeah. About? Um, but as I was thinking about this, Garrett, and we mentioned this before as we were recording, before we recorded, but um, I can't remember who it was that pointed out to me how often the scriptures refer to or use phrases like pondering something in your heart or understanding something in your heart. And that was one of those phrases I think I probably read over a thousand times without pausing to think, wait a minute, we don't usually talk about understanding as an emotional experience. We talk about understanding as a mental experience and similar with pondering. If I think of pondering, it's, well, I'm going to think about something, but pondering it in your hearts or understanding it in your hearts conveys at least that these scriptural authors had in mind when they were writing that we wouldn't just have an intellectual experience with the scriptures. We wouldn't just come away with some great aha moments. We would come away feeling some things. And so Garrett, with your expertise at feeling emotions and talking about them and helping other people understand them, I'm just curious um, what you have found to be successful for you or helpful for you in reading the scriptures in a way that helps you to feel, not just not just learn. Oh, Zach, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, 
two things come to my mind. The first is prayer. When I go into scripture study, praying beforehand, even if it's just a short prayer, but praying that the Lord can help me understand what I need to understand and feel what I need to feel, it just invites the Spirit, and the Spirit will speak to our minds but and also to our hearts, right? And so it helps me feel. The second thing is uh, relevance. If I just read the scriptures to just read, um, I don't feel it as much, right? But when I'm looking at the scriptures, recognizing this is what I've got going in my life, going on in my life right now. Maybe things are hard at work and I'm stressed there. Maybe I'm having a hard time with one particular kid or something along those lines um, as a father, right? When I've got that in my mind and I'm looking at the scriptures through that lens or through the lens of real life, that brings the emotion. That's when the things can touch my heart more. It's really good. And I like that answer because I think the temptation, at least for me, is, uh, and maybe for all of us in our church experiences, that when we talk about feeling, even feeling the spirit, we always talk about feeling these positive emotions, right? I feel warm. I feel tingly. I feel excited. But what you're talking about is this isn't just feeling good feelings. This is feeling any kind of feeling. It's connecting what I'm actually living and experiencing, my pains as well as my pleasures, with what's happening in the scriptures and letting the scriptures influence the way that I that I experience that or that I feel that. Yeah, because if I can connect it to what I'm feeling in my life, then the spirit, whether I'm feeling sad or happy or whatever, but the spirit can then touch my heart and help me get through whatever I'm going through um, emotionally and then bring the positive out of it. I like that a lot. Um, and it brings up this, we were talking about this again before we were recording, but Alma chapter five, uh, five through seven is a great place to practice reading with feeling because there's so much feeling in this. Um, one of the reasons I love, Alma's long been one of my favorite people to read about and read from in the scriptures because he's such an emotive guy. Um, you can just sense that he's experiencing and that he wears his emotions kind of on his sleeves. You know, when he goes to to teach uh, the people in Zarahemla in chapter five, this is verse 43. He says, I speak in the energy of my soul. You just sense he's pouring everything out. Yep. And so one of the phrases that came up or comes up in Alma chapter five that we were talking about before is in this list of questions that he asks his audience in Alma five is the question in verse 26. Um, if you have experienced a change of heart, and if you have felt to sing the song of redeeming love, I would ask, can you feel so now? And we were talking before, Garrett, about what if you can't feel that now? What if you're reading the scriptures or going to church or whatever you're doing religiously or spiritually, but it doesn't come with the feelings that you want? What do you do about that? Well, two things come to my mind, Zach, and and feel free to hop in with any of this, but one reason for maybe what do you, what can you do if you don't feel so now, the reason you might not be feeling it now might be because you haven't actively and intentionally sought spiritual experiences. Maybe if the most recent spiritual experience you can think of was your mission or girls camp, that probably means that there maybe is a lack of intentionality in your gospel living. And so just get back on that train, right? Get back in that, 
in that flow of things. And the second thing is sometimes the reason you can't feel it right now, you can't feel this to sing the song of redeeming love. Zach, it might just be that you're going through one of those phases in life where, where you're doing the right stuff, but the feeling and the spirit isn't coming. And it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's not because you're a bad person. It's just that that's the phase that you're going through right now. And so you would know whoever that person is personally, that person would understand best what to do. Mm -hmm. Meaning maybe it's just that you hold tight to the faith you have and recognize that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and know that it's coming and just keep holding on to your faith in Christ. Those are the things that come to my mind. So good. And I think I just bring up again, what we had mentioned before, what you'd mentioned before about feelings connecting our feelings to the scriptures it doesn't always have to be positive feelings i know alma's question is can you feel the seeding song of redeeming love um but our human experience is filled with those wonderful positive feelings but also with negative feelings and i think a marker of successful spirituality isn't that i only have positive emotions it's that I'm connecting my emotions to God. I'm wearing them on my sleeves with him and I'm letting him be a part in that. And so even if what I'm feeling right now is sadness or sorrow or loss or frustration or depression or anxiety or whatever it is, if I can let God be a part of that and, and bring that to him, um, then there's, there's, like you said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. At least there's someone to be able to help with that. Yeah, and I think if now is a hard time for you, then the, it can help to focus on the past and the future, right? Mm. You can think back to your past spiritual experiences where you were feeling what you were hoping to feel, and you could feel close to God, and you could feel that. And then also look to the future, recognizing that that can and will happen again. Does that make sense? That's so good. That's so good. Well, this is a good segue because... Alma chapter five through seven. This is what Alma's goal is. Um, at the end of chapter four, we mentioned this in the last episode, but um, Alma leaves his governmental position as the chief judge to, by his own words, this is Alma four, verse 19, to reclaim his people. Um, I heard a story from a friend of mine that, uh, that um, I just admire the heck out of. And um, this story has stuck with me. It had a huge impact on me. I just heard it a couple of weeks ago and I heard it as I was reading Alma chapter five. So I want to retell his story. I haven't asked his permission yet. And so uh, if he's listening, hopefully he, he, hopefully he's kind and would let me get to tell the story. And if not, then I'm gonna tell it anyway. Um, <laughs> but he's, uh, he's an Institute Institute uh, teacher and uh, he was teaching a student, a young man of his, um, that was uh, blind. And they were talking about um, the promise that in the resurrection that we will be resurrected with, a, with an immortal, perfect body. And this teacher just asked the student, when, when the gift of sight, when your sight is finally restored to you, who's the first person that you'll want to see? And uh, the student answered, I, I'd want to see the Lord. And the teacher expected that and said, that's wonderful. Who's the second person you'd want to see? And he said, and I expected him to say a loved one or a family member. He said he thought for a while. And then he said, I think I'd want to see myself. Hmm. I've lived on this earth for 20 years and I have no idea what I look like. <laughs> and as this 
my friend told the story, he said, what impressed him the most was the connection in this young man's mind between seeing the Lord and seeing himself and how closely tied those were. Wow. The reason why I like that story so much with Alma 5 is Alma's way to reclaim his people is in Alma chapter 5, and then in five, chapter 5, he goes to Zerahamla, and chapter 7, he goes to Gideon, two different groups of people. But in both places, he uses this really powerful imagery. Listen to some of these words. This is verse 15 in chapter 5. Um, have you received his image in your countenance? Picture Christ and then picture yourself. Are you like him? Um, still in verse 15, do you look forward with an eye of faith to view this mortal body raised in immortality? Can you see this moment of resurrection? Verse 16, can you imagine to yourselves? Verse 17, do you imagine to yourselves? And verse 18 again, can you imagine to yourselves? Verse 19, can you look up at God at that day with a pure heart and clean hands? All of these images. And so the question that we're going to approach today, Garrett, that, that uh, I'm glad that we get to study is, what images help us feel what we need to feel to bring us closer to the Lord? Um, or what images might help someone else that we know or love and help us to be a part in bringing them close to the Lord? What images does Alma use that would reclaim us back to Christ? I can see Garrett's face on my screen clapping and getting excited. So Garrett, go, fire away. Oh man, when you talk about picturing things, it just leads so well into what stood out to me most in Alma chapter five as I was studying it in preparation. Uh, and that's in verse 27. In verse 27, he is, I mean, this whole chapter is full of these amazing questions, but he asks, have you walked keeping yourselves blameless before God? Could you say if you're called to die at this time within yourselves that you've been sufficiently humble? And then this next part is what stood out to me. And I'm, I'm going to warn you in advance, Zach, this is my favorite metaphor in all of the scriptures. And it shows up all over the place. Mm. And he says, so kind of recognizing that he's using the previous start to the question. Could you say, if you were called to die at this time, that your garments have been cleansed and made white through the blood of Christ, who will come to redeem his people from their sins? So speaking of imagery, picture that in your mind. Hmm. I had a teacher point this out to me once. Picture someone, maybe they're wearing a white shirt to church and they fall down in the mud and they get it dirty, right? And then, um, on your mission, I don't know if you ever had to wash things in a bucket, if you ever had to do your laundry in a bucket, but I had to do that a little bit on my mission in Brazil. Um, and picture putting your white shirt that got mud on it into a bucket and trying to scrub it clean and rub it rub it uh, so that the dirt comes out. Normally you use uh, soapy water. What if instead of it being soapy water in that bucket, what if it's blood? If you picture that in your head, one, it might creep you out a little bit. Two, <laughs> two, it doesn't jive in your head. If you stick something into a bucket of blood and try to wash it, you can't make it white. Nothing can be made white in blood. Blood is red. It would stain it red, hmm. right? And so as you picture that in your mind, the question is, and this is the question that a teacher pointed out one time is, what is that metaphor trying to teach you about the atonement of Christ? It's impossible for you to make something white by washing it in blood. 
So what's the message of this analogy? The thing that makes it possible is that it's Christ's blood. So what does Christ do is he makes the impossible possible. Hmm. Jesus Christ, through his atonement, makes things that seem impossible to you, Zach, or make it makes things that might seem impossible to someone who's addicted or someone who's in a terrible situation or someone who can't forgive another person, right? That thing that's impossible to them, it might be impossible on their own, but that's the beauty of the power of Christ, the atonement of Christ. Christ makes the impossible possible. That's so good. And just noticing that verse comes after that verse 26, where we were talking about, can you feel so now? So another answer to that earlier question of what if you're not feeling it is, boy, the last thing you would want to do is leave the God who can make all things possible. Because in this next verse, he's the only one that can make impossible things happen in your life. I love that. So good. Um, The other image, Zach, if it's okay, that I wanted to talk about is in chapter seven. I think that chapter seven invites us to think about the atonement of Christ and really picture what he did for us and what that means for us. And here's what I'm referring to the the most well-known verses I think in all of this chapter when there's so many good ones are probably 11 through 13. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just read them and maybe kind of emphasize the points that stood out to me. It's talking about Christ and he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. Keyword there being every kind, a hundred percent of the pains, afflictions and temptations He's suffering them, right? This that the word might be fulfilled, which saith he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people. He will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. So there are a couple things that I tried to emphasize there. One, he suffered our pains, afflictions, temptations, sicknesses, infirmities. He's suffered those. He knows exactly what it feels like for you and for me with whatever negative emotion or negative experience we're having. I found uh, there are so many amazing quotes that that um, address this point about the infinite suffering of Christ and how he experienced all of these things for us. There's one from Elder Bateman, one from Elder Bednar, but I just found one this week um, in the last few days from the Scripture Plus app, which by the way, anyone listening, I recommend the Scripture Plus app. It's done by Book of Mormon Central, which if you don't know what Book of Mormon Central is, I recommend that as well. But but this app, yeah, this app had a quote from Stephen Robinson from his really famous book, Believe in Christ. And it said this, All the negative aspects of human existence brought about by the fall, Jesus Christ absorbed into himself. He experienced vicariously in Gethsemane all the private griefs and heartaches, all the physical pains and handicaps, all the emotional burdens and depressions of the human family. And I love this list that really, I think, hits at home. Christ knows, or he knows, the loneliness of those who don't fit in or who aren't handsome or pretty. He knows what it's like to choose up teams and be the last one chosen. He knows the anguish of parents whose children go wrong. He knows the private hell of the abused child or spouse. He knows all these things personally and intimately because he lived them in the Gethsemane experience. 
oh man, can you feel it? Can you picture this? Can you picture Christ going through this and taking upon him every negative aspect or negative feeling or pain or temptation or uh, infirmity that we can feel as humans? He lived them in the Gethsemane experience. And the reason is right there at the end of verse 12. The reason he decided to go through all of that is so that he may know according to the flesh, that he may know by his own experience how to succor his people. Now, for anyone who's not reading along, that word sucker is not like a lollipop, S-U-C-K-E-R. It's sucker, S-U-C-C-O-R. And that's not a word we use much in English, right? It's much more of a, I don't know, formal word that was used more in the past, but it means to run to and to help. And I had heard that. I had even written it in the margins of my scriptures. Sucker equals run to slash help. (laughs) But that didn't really have any meaning for me until my mission. And on my mission, I learned Portuguese and I learned um, kind of how they use words differently than us. Now, Zach, if you or I were in a burning building or drowning at sea or being attacked in a dark alley, what word would you shout out? Help, probably. Help, right? We would shout, help, help me, please help me, right? We would shout out help. The Portuguese word for help is ajuda. Now, in Brazil, though, if you're in a dark alley being attacked, or if you're in a burning building, or if you're drowning at sea, you don't shout out help. You don't shout out ajuda. What you shout out is socorro, which is the Portuguese word for the English word sucker. And when I under when I heard when I learned that Zach, it changed. When you are in a desperate position where you want someone to run to you and help you, what you're calling out for is sucker. And what does Jesus do? He runs to you and he helps you because he knows how. Because he's experienced it all. He can run to you and he can help you and he can run to me and help me with whatever it is that I'm feeling. When I'm feeling so low, he knows what that feels like. And therefore he knows how to help me. So good. And and that makes me think of how important it is that we listen to President Nelson, who is since the beginning of his presidency, really tried to get us to understand that um, Christ is the center of all things. And, um, his talk on the atonement of Jesus Christ, emphasizing there is nothing. The atonement isn't this cloud of power that gives you help. It's Jesus Christ. The atonement is what enables him to be able to run to you and give you the aid you so desperately need. And so it's not that the atonement helped me. It's that Christ helped me and he was able to help me because he went through this and we can picture it, picture him going through this Mm -hmm. in an effort to help us. Which then 13 just brings that home, right? That the spirit knows all things, but he wanted to suffer according to the flesh so that he could take upon him the sins of the people so he could blot out their transgressions according to the power of his deliverance, right? That he can deliver us because he runs to, his, runs to us to give us succor, to give us help, to give us aid. So good. Um, just one thought that, that that makes me think of is you talk about in these verses, gives us almost power, empowers us to call out to him Mm -hmm. when we are in need, which is often when we feel the least like calling out to God. When I am Uh feeling 
sinful or infirm or sick or tempted. Those are the moments when we usually don't want to talk to God. Mm -hmm. And yet these verses, after reading this, it's almost as if the Savior is saying, no, those are the exact moments when I want you to call out to me because I am uniquely situated to be able to help you. I love the companion truth to that that Alma emphasizes repeatedly in, in these chapters. Um, and I'll just read it here in verse 37 in chapter 5, that not only can we call out to help from the Savior, but he is actively and always seeking after us, even when we're not calling out to him. So verse 37 starts kind of harsh. O ye workers of iniquity, ye that are puffed up in the vain things of the world, ye that have professed to have known the ways of righteousness, nevertheless have gone astray. And then this truth, though, as sheep having no shepherd, notwithstanding a shepherd hath called you and is still calling you. Verse 38, it says, by his own name will he call you. And then he continues that on in verse 57 and then verse 60. I love this. And now I say unto you that the good shepherd doth call after you. And if you will hearken unto his voice, he will bring you into his fold. Hmm. Krista just uh, did an episode a couple weeks ago with Maria Eckersley where she described that word fold. Um, it's not another word for flock. A fold is the the enclosure that keeps the sheep safe. And I love the image that this good shepherd will come after us and bring us into his fold, into his enclosure and keep us safe. So if you're in tough times, either you call out to him and he'll run to you and give you aid. But even if you don't, he's still coming after you anyway, because that's just what he does. That's who he is. I love that, those. Stories. That phrase that you pointed out, he's still calling after you. No matter what, no matter how much you feel like you've messed up, right? Elder Holland has the great quote that you can't sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines because he is still calling after you all the time. No matter how many times you ignored him, he's still calling for you. So good. Well, Garrett, I want to give you the final wrap-up word. Um, I'll preface it with this. We just have a minute or so, but chapter 6, verse 5. There's one word in here that I love, and I think it sums up a lot of what we've described about Christ and maybe um, describes the way that I feel about him. And I'm curious, Garrett, after I say this, to know just your final thoughts or feelings maybe as you study these chapters. Um, Alma just says, I would that you should understand, or Mormon that's narrating this, that the word of God was liberal unto all. Now strip all of the political uh, connections to the word liberal away. Liberal just means free giving, without reservation. And if there's one thing that Jesus Christ is, it is that he is liberal. And I have felt that. When I read this word, that's been my experience with him, is he's extremely liberal in what he gives and in how he helps that's been my feeling experience as I have read these chapters and as I've connected them with what I've experienced in my own life recently. Oh, Zach, I love that. Uh, and if this episode is about feeling and how liberal and freely God gives to us, hopefully the feeling that comes through most in these chapters is love. The feeling that he is most liberal with, you might say, is just how much he stinking loves each and every one of us. Zach, his love just permeates through his word. His love 
permeates through the way that he interacts with us in our lives. His love is the feeling that he most, I think, wants to feel because it most defines him. And the thing that that maybe I would say is, oh, I just I just love Jesus. I just love him. And I love what he's done for me. I love what he still does for me. And I love that no matter how bad I may feel about myself at times, no matter how much I feel like I've broken myself and maybe broken the lives of those around me or, or hurt, hurt those that I care about or just hurt anyone in anything that the feeling that I get most from him is not condemnation. It's not that he's upset or arrogant. It's that he just loves me. He just loves me. Well, Garrett, I can't thank you enough for being with us in this episode. Thank you so much for being. This is always so fun when we get to do this. So thank you very much. Thank you, Zach. This is so amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of you for listening. Um, we hope that you have this kind of feeling experience with your scripture study. And as you do, you will feel so many incredible and wonderful things on your own. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. Connect with us on Instagram, find our website, um, send us messages, uh, review our podcast and your podcast app, write reviews. That helps it get to more people. And uh, thank you for participating and for listening along. And we will see you next episode. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.